Hey, friends, and welcome to the All Sorts Podcast and Happy New Year. I am your host, Desiree Nielsen, registered dietitian and resident food nerd around here. And today we're doing something a little different. You're going to hang with me today. Yep, just me and my thoughts and your ears, all cozy-like. I've been wanting to try a few solo episodes so I could dive into some of my favorite juicy topics, but I didn't get around to it in season one, so there is no time like the present. Here's how it's going to roll. We'll start with a segment where I spill about a few of my favorite things or obsessions right now. Then we're going to talk about the topic of the day, which is what the heck does it even mean to be healthy? It's a simple word with a really complex meaning. And I feel like in nutrition, there are a ton of words like this. Like if you ask someone what healthy means, it seems like there's going to be a simple answer. Like you eat a lot of kale or you're a marathoner, but we're going to dive in to the the meat, as it were, the vegan meat, the beyond meat, as it were, about this topic. Words like balance or moderation. Like there are so many words that are honestly so nuanced that they get pretty damn confusing. So let's unpack one of those words today. And we'll close with a quick community Q&A. After you listen, please let me know what you think of this solo episode. Should we do more of them regularly? What topics do you want to see me cover? And if you want to be able to ask a question for me to answer on the pod, hop over into the Nutrition with Desiree community. It is totally free and the link to join us is in the show notes. Okay, let's start with what I'm obsessing over right now. The first is Snacks Shop, which is a newsletter and community run by Andrea Hernandez. It's essentially like a food and bev hype beast account. And you may not know this, but my first job out of right out of university was as head of nutrition for a local chain of health food stores. So I'm actually really into food products. Like I nerd out on like new food products and wellness products and like packaging even and ingredients. But like most of the industry-focused publications or accounts in this space are really old school and like boring AF. So I nerd out hard on Snacks Shop because it's very heavy on like Gen Z branding vibes and like hunting down all the coolest new products globally. So if you're into food, into products, or just into good design, it's a must visit. So Google S-N-A-X-S-H-O-T, Snacks Shot and then you'll become a snacks boy like me. Okay, next up is the open app. I started running again during the pandemic and soon enough, like I felt like I needed a counterbalance because my muscles were starting to get super tight and I felt like my whole body was contracting because I'm over 40 and apparently I need to stretch more. So I found open through the holisticism community and it's a really gorgeous app for yoga, Pilates, breath work, and meditation. So I really can't live without it right now because they have great quality classes. Like I actually really love the instructors and all the classes are fantastic and they're at my fingertips. You can do live classes so you can actually schedule to do a class and it'll put it in your calendar and send you a reminder and everything. Or there's a bunch of pre-recorded ones that fit into my schedule, whether I have like 10 minutes or 60 minutes to practice. Let's be honest. I rarely have 60 minutes to practice. My sweet spot is pretty much 20 to 30 minutes, but all is available to you. So go check them out. I'm in no way sponsored or like an ambassador for them, just a nerd for them. 
I think if you go on their website, there's like a free seven day trial. So just Google open meditation app and I'm sure it will pop up. Okay. Finally, obsession numero tres, acid league proxies, specifically the velvet. Okay. So acid league is this super cool Canadian brand. Like I said, I nerd out on this stuff hard. They do fermented vinegars, condiments, and wine alternatives. The branding is gorgeous. And some of the proxies have, yeah, they've veered more into the juice territory. And so while they've been interesting, they haven't been my favorites, but the velvet is their red wine alternative. And for my taste buds, at least, I think they've nailed it. It's got like a bit of coffee in there and there's plenty of tannin to give it a bit of edge, just like real red wine. So if you're drinking less these days, I would go give them a try. Boom. Okay. Now that you've experienced my obsession level chaos, let's talk about today's topic. What does it even mean to be healthy anyways? If you had asked me this question a decade ago, you would have gotten a very different answer. But learn more, know better, do better. Am I right? You know, to be totally honest, I used to be one of those dietitians who actually railed against the idea that there are no good and bad foods. Again, I thought it was one of those things a dietitian said that was so wishy-washy when I was like, but there isn't much to like redeem a Big Mac. Like it's not a great food in terms of nutrition. Like, can't we just name that? Can't we just say that? If you want a Big Mac, eat a Big Mac anyways, but can't we just say that like, it's not a great food? I will admit that's where I started on this journey. And honestly, back then, like, I love chips as much as the next gal, as much as I still do. And so I thought it was totally okay to eat whatever you want. But I didn't realize that in saying, well, you know, like a Big Mac is like not good for you or Big Mac is junk food, what that actually did to people and their psyches. And, you know, the first book that I wrote, Unjunk Your Diet, you know, has a lot of that language in it, which is why I pretty much don't tell anyone to read it anymore because my opinion has changed significantly since then. And one of the reasons for this is that over the last decade, education about the nature of our food system, which is what Unjunk Your Diet was really about, from wellness folks, like myself included, like I was a dietitian at a health food store. Like this was me. I was like telling people about organics and talking about gluten-free foods, all of these things. But it really, you know, particularly a decade ago, like it felt more like a wake-up call. And like badass activism, this idea of like, let's get angry at these big, bad food corporations that are making us sick and making billions of dollars of profit over keeping us sick and not giving us like high quality, you know, nourishing food. The problem with that is, is that it didn't take long for that to slide into a very sinister sort of value signaling that has essentially become its own sort of diet. And we talk about this, you know, in terms of disordered eating, like there is a term orthorexia, which means that you have these very rigid definitions of what is or is healthy. And you only allow yourself to eat quote unquote, your healthy or safe foods. And the irony about living this way, about living, about deciding what is healthy and only allowing those practices into your life is that it's actually not a very healthy way to live whatsoever. And, you know, we get into this place where, again, and that's why we're going to do this whole episode. This is why I wanted to talk about this is like, well, what does healthy even mean? If I'm eating all the kale salads and running my 60 kilometers a week, well, aren't I healthy? And I would ask you this, are you scared to dine out with friends? Because 
you're not sure that you can get a quote unquote healthy food on that menu. If you decide to have nachos one night, does it make you hate yourself? Because all the miles in the world and all the kale salads in the world aren't going to make up for the fact that there is something at the core of your relationship with your body and food that isn't healthy. And that's probably creating a lot of stress for you. And stress isn't healthy. You know, this gets messy real quick. And, you know, what's more, and I have to say as a, as a health professional, like health professionals contribute to this, you know, I'm plant-based and in the plant-based and vegan movement, like one of the sort of core quote unquote benefits that's upheld about eating plant-based is weight loss. And who decided that weight loss is a benefit? And, you know, so much of healthcare's focus on health has been on being a quote unquote healthy weight. And as a dietitian, I was taught that BMI or the body mass index, which is a ratio of your height and weight, is an important assessment tool for chronic disease risk. And while it's true that in the research, higher BMIs have been associated with certain diseases, BMI is also a deeply flawed and quite honestly racist tool that needs to get scrubbed from modern healthcare. And the other challenge with saying that, oh, if you are a certain weight, you are healthy, is that we're living in bigger bodies than ever before. So according to data from the most recent NHANES survey, the average man is now 198 pounds and the average woman is 170 pounds. So are you telling me that somehow we have to write off most of our population as not being able to be healthy because they are a certain size? Like, I refuse to believe that, particularly because most of our chronic diseases right now are considered lifestyle-related, i.e. what you do matters. So it's not so much tell me how much you weigh and I'll tell you how healthy you are, but tell me what you eat. Tell me how you move. Tell me how you sleep. Tell me how stressed you are. That, for me, as a health practitioner, that's where I want my focus to be. And I think that's where our focus should be more often than not. You know, and a big reason for this is because all too often, people in larger bodies have their healthcare concerns completely dismissed by their physicians, their dietitians, their nurses, with just the comment, just lose weight you know, oh, well, I have these aching knees and so I'm having a hard time exercising. We'll just lose weight. How is this person supposed to just lose weight if they can't move their bodies? Or my blood sugars, I'm having a really hard time you know, getting my blood sugars under control. Oh, well, just lose weight. The idea that we tell people and we just sort of like shove this just lose weight comment in their faces is so insulting. And also it completely ignores the fact that why do we have larger bodies these days? Why are we more sedentary? What kind of food do we have access to? Do we even have control over the food that hits our dinner plate? Like maybe we are reliant on food banks. Maybe we don't have access to fresh foods. We live in Canada's North where, you know, a bell pepper can be $18. You know, so things are incredibly complex. And while I will not say that weight isn't associated with certain health outcomes, it's not the only association. And so I really do think we have to be more grounded in our focus. And also the whole point of healthcare is to be 
person or patient centered. And so if all we're doing is seeing someone in a larger body and saying, oh, lose weight and all this will go away, we're not actually doing our jobs. I get really excited because there are very important movements such as health at any size or haze. You might've seen the acronym haze or the non-diet movement that focus on actual health metrics such as cholesterol levels or blood sugar control or eating more nutrient-dense foods in line with the actual national nutrient recommendations. And I think that this is the future. And that's why this month on the pod is non-diet January, where we explore concepts of health that have nothing to do with restrictive diets or weight. It's really up to us to reclaim the idea of what it means to be healthy. One of the things that's important to me as a dietitian is that healthy doesn't simply mean free of disease or deficiency, particularly because chronic disease takes years to develop. Our everyday habits matter. So let's break this down into foods, meals, patterns, and mindset. First up, what is a healthy food? If you close your eyes and I say, picture a healthy food, what do you see? To me, I see whole plant foods. These foods are so nutrient-dense. We're talking like cashews and broccoli and sunflower seeds and chickpeas and oats. They're nutrient-dense, meaning that bite for bite, they have the most nutrition because like, as much as we would like to think that our body is just some magical vehicle for our minds, our body is made up of cells and our cells need actual nutrients to run. So where are we going to get those things? From whole foods for sure. But of course, we need to talk about processed and hyper-processed foods here too. A lot of people are like, oh, well, tofu is processed. I shouldn't eat it because I'm into whole foods. Tofu is essentially cheese made from soybeans. It is a very simple, if you think cooking at home is not food processing, then you probably shouldn't think that making tofu is food processing either because It's a really, really simple process to go from soybeans to tofu. Now, what about hyper-processed foods? That might be a little bit different. If you've already sort of heard this argument and you're like, okay, so no, I get it. Like processing can be good because canned tomatoes are super good. Canned beans are super good. Like a little bit of food processing is totally okay. But hyper-processed, like those are really awful. I mean, sure, we don't want to eat hyper-processed foods 24-7, And if we're going to be clear about where the science is, I would say that our intake of hyper-processed foods, when it crowds out, like whole foods, is absolutely associated with poor health outcomes. But if we have the privilege of choosing what we eat and can put plenty of whole foods on our plate, then eat a Beyond Meat Burger and you can still be healthy even though the Beyond Meat Burger is quote-unquote hyper-processed. Like, heck yes, and give me a side of fries with that. We get into this place, and I think because diet culture sort of like positions us in this sort of all-or-nothing good-bad binary, which is completely made up and completely garbage, the idea is that okay, so if we're going to be healthy, we can't have any of these foods in our life. And that's just not true. And moreover, like when we're getting into this, like what is a healthy food? We also need to talk about some really basic foods that have been vilified totally unfairly. Okay, answer this question. 
without filtering your answer, like the first thing that comes to your mind is what you really think. Is pasta healthy? I'm going to say at least two thirds of you, even though you're like, oh no, I feel like pasta can be okay. Like the first thought that came to your mind was no, pasta is not a healthy food. Why? Because some influencer told us that like carbs are bad or, oh, good Lord, some very, I I don't want, I don't like to use the word quack, but I will say that there are health professionals out there who just can't read the room and also who aren't well connected enough to the nutrition science to actually steer clear of fear-mongering. And what comes to mind right here is the people who are telling folks without diabetes to use continuous glucose monitors. Like, oh my gosh, if you don't have diabetes, don't measure your blood sugars because your blood sugars are meant to rise. You know when your blood sugars rise? After you eat food. (laughs) The only way you're not going to get your blood sugars to rise is if you're completely keto, which I generally don't recommend to like 99.9% of people, or if you don't eat, does this seem like a good idea? No. So you probably sort of went down the rabbit hole of like, well, pasta is carbs and, you know, carbs aren't great and they raise your blood sugar. So pasta isn't healthy, but actually pasta, particularly, I mean, I'm not going to lie. I do like a whole wheat spaghetti because fiber, but pasta contains protein Pasta contains tons of fiber. Pasta contains, particularly with whole wheat, minerals. So you're going to get things like iron and magnesium and zinc in your pasta. You're also going to get way more fiber than you'd expect. And if there's one sort of like food component that people need to get more of, we're already getting plenty of protein as obsessed as we are with protein. We're getting plenty of protein. We're still not getting enough fiber. So whole wheat spigatini for the win. Pasta is a healthy food, not just pasta fits into a healthy diet. Pasta is a healthy food. The other thing we should talk about here is gluten, right? So that's probably another reason why if we're thinking about pasta, we're like, uh, you know, I don't know that pasta is really healthy because gluten, like gluten causes leaky gut and causes inflammation. No, it doesn't. Absolutely. No, it doesn't. If you want to dive deeper into the whole gluten situation, particularly gluten and inflammation, but also leaky gut, you can go to my website. I've written very nerdy, very in-depth blogs about this because if you are generally healthy, if you have a gut that functions, gluten doesn't cause inflammation, okay? Like pasta is a healthy food. If not, I'm pretty sure all of Italy would have already fallen into the Mediterranean. (laughs) So like, I'm pretty sure there are peeps in Italy who are actually healthy and they eat a ton of pasta. So I think we're good. Okay. All right. That was a little bit of a tangent, but I mean, uh, this is kind of where we need to go. Like none of this stuff is easy. None of this is black or white, you know, good or bad, simple. This is super complex. So let's talk. What is a healthy food? We want to base a whole foods, right? Does the research actually support that? Like I'm definitely coming at you with a lot of opinions today, but like, what about the actual scientific research? You bet it supports whole plant foods. Really great example. A systematic review published last year in the journal nutrients found that the greatest adherence to a healthy plant-based diet was associated with a 16% decreased risk of cardiovascular disease. 
And another study last year in the European Journal of Nutrition found that a higher plant-based diet score was associated with a 20% lower risk of dying. That sounds pretty good. 20% lower risk of diet. I'm here for that. Like that's enough reason for me to eat more plants, I think. They taste good also, which is another big reason. But 20% lower risk of dying is an excellent reason to eat more plants. So sure, we get that we should eat more whole plants, but what is a healthy meal? Because it's not just vegetables. And as much as I love vegetables, eating only vegetables is actually going to set you up for a whole world of issues. Things like mineral deficiencies, erratic blood sugars, fatigue. And this is an important thing to say too, because there's a certain brand of wellness influencer that if you look at their what I eat in a day posts, which also inexplicably, I don't know what it is on TikTok, but like all the what I eat in a day posts start with a picture of the person's body. Like, so what you're telling me is if I eat exactly like you, my body's going to look exactly like yours. No, no, it's not. Why? Because I do not have your genetics. I do not have your metabolism. And if I follow your what I eat in a day video to a T, I'm still going to look like my body and not yours. It's just a really, it's kind of a sinister like thing subconsciously that I don't know even if people realize how bad it is that they're doing that, but gross. And I digress. So we can't eat just vegetables. You know, we're not going to virtue signal by saying, I only eat vegetables. I don't eat carbs because we know pasta is good for you. Eat pasta, run pasta. So let's talk about like what a healthy meal actually looks like. And my favorite tool for this, I like the idea that it's a tool, not a rule because I hate rules. I will rebel against any rule you attempt to throw in front of me because that's what kind of person I am. (laughs) So let's talk about the plate method. I love the plate method because it's super simple. No matter how you eat, no matter what you like to eat, it's essentially just a ratio that will help you ensure you get all the nutrients you need. So when I look at a plate or when I look at a pot, or when I look at like all my ingredients on the counter for whatever recipe I'm going to make, the idea is that 50% of that is fruits or vegetables. Why fruits or vegetables? Well, because they tend to be high in fiber, high in water, like high nutrient density. They're not going to give us more energy than we need because many of us are really sedentary, but they are going to give us a ton of nutrition. So for folks like us, like me, I sit on my butt like most of the day, like 10 to 12 hours a day, at least I need all the same nutrition, but I don't need a ton of extra energy. Fruits and vegetables are where that's at. So like half our plate fruits or vegetables, then a quarter of our plate is going to be the whole grains or the starchy vegetables. So things like wheat berries or pasta or sweet potatoes, We need starches because starches are storage form of energy. They're going to give us an energy boost. Those foods are also high in specific nutrients. So again, fiber, not all fruits and vegetables are actually that high in fiber. You know, it's really high in fiber, whole intact grains like wheat berries and barley and oats. They're also richer in minerals than most fruits and vegetables. So you're going to get a ton of vitamins in most fruits and vegetables. You're going to get lots of phytochemicals, which help squelch oxidative damage and help fight inflammation. 
Whole grains also have some phytochemicals, FYI, because I think most people think that they don't, but you're going to get a lot of minerals, a lot of, in, in particular, B vitamins as well. You need that energy. Then what is on the last quarter of your plate? Some sort of protein. So I'm a plant-based gal. So that protein for me is like tofu, tempeh, chickpeas. You know, you might throw some hemp hearts in a smoothie and because three tablespoons of hemp hearts is going to give you 10 grams of protein in addition to healthy fats because it's the other little thing you need to sprinkle on there like it's magic fairy dust is some sort of healthy fat. Whether you cook your meal with a little bit of olive oil or you add a hemp heart or you add avocado, essentially 50% of your plate, fruit and some vegetables, a quarter of your plate, whole grains or starchy vegetables a quarter of your plate, some sort of protein, and then some little bit of healthy fats sprinkled in there. Now that we've said this, now that we've sort of laid out this plate method, tool, not rule, we also need to do a gut check because eat whole foods, use the plate method, could easily become a set of rules and therefore fodder for a restrictive mindset, which is not healthy. So the internet is filled with folks who use scare tactics to try and hook you into their content. Like, how could you eat soy? Or like, what they don't want you to know about gluten. That was such a big one. I'm probably dating myself. But there was like this one guy who like, that was his big hook. was like, you know, health secrets. They don't want you to know. Like, who is they? Like, I'm a dietitian and I would want you to know all the health secrets. Wouldn't want to keep those from you. But that's marketing for you. Freaking works, fear works, which is so sad because, you know, there are so many folks giving like really good quality, really evidence based advice that is non fear mongering, that is like really inclusive, but it just doesn't have the adrenaline rush of like all the other stuff, which I get. So, the other concept I want to introduce because we've talked about what healthy foods look like, also that quote unquote, non-healthy foods fit in a healthy lifestyle. We've talked about putting together a plate. We need to introduce a new concept. And this might be the clincher. This might be the most important thing you hear in this podcast, which is pattern over plate. Now, if you know me, you know, I've been saying this for a long time. I'm sorry for boring you. You can take a little 30 second nap, but everybody else listen up. What you do day in and day out over time is far more important than the food that is on your plate right now. This is liberating because it means if it's Friday night and you feel like having nachos and a beer, you go right ahead because generally you put a lot of whole foods on your plate. If you want to have an ice cream on a beautiful sunny Sunday afternoon, go right ahead your body's nourished up. It's all good. It can handle an ice cream. We have equated health with restriction. We have equated healthy eating or defined healthy eating by what we don't eat. Oh, well, I'm vegan and gluten-free and soy-free and like lectin-free. And like the only thing that's left for me right now is organic kale and water and pure mountain air. That's not a life. Your body needs nourishment. So it's not like you come in with an ice cream and it's like a little eraser that erased all those antioxidants you just ate on your spinach salad at lunchtime. It's just food 
that tastes good. And even that ice cream is going to have a little bit of nourishment to it. Maybe it's not an antioxidant, quote unquote, superfood, but don't worry. You can take it. Your cells can take it. And I love this idea of pattern over plate because it just changes the game. If there is room for all foods to fit in a healthy diet, that means you can start eating what you want to eat. And so many of us restrict based on the value judgments we make about food. It causes stress. Elimination diets actually directly harm our health because they set us up for nutrient deficiencies. They also, because food diversity and diversity of plants contributes to the diversity of our microbiome. And we all know how important our microbiome is. If you're not sure, go and take a peep at episode one of season two with Dr. Robin Chutkin, and we will refresh ourselves on just how important a healthy, robust, diverse microbiome is to overall health. So restriction and elimination doesn't make you healthy. And in fact, it can rob you of your health, both physically, but also psychologically, emotionally, and yeah, energetically. Because being healthy on paper doesn't always make you healthy. And I've seen this. I'm a dietitian who has you know, helped people one-on-one in private practice for over a decade. And anytime someone comes to see me, I have these really long intake forms and I'm going to ask them like, what's their medical history? Like what conditions do they have? Are they on medications? Do they take vitamins? Like what's their stress level like, but then also what they eat. And it's generally the only time I would ever ask people to track their foods because I can't help people make changes until I know what their baseline is. And so all too often, I'll see a client who checks off the boxes, you know, like I, I read their food journal. I was like, wow, this person actually makes a lot of nutrient dense food choices. And, you know, they take the right amount of vitamins, oh, maybe more than they need. We can talk about that. And, you know, our session and they work out, they seem really healthy. Hmm, I'm a bit confused. And then they sit down in front of me and I go, oh, mm-hmm, I get it because I can see the degree of stress and anxiety they have about their food choices. And make no mistake, that sort of, you know, deep holding and deep fear contributes to your overall health as much as the food choices you actually make. And so one of the most important things we can do for our health, aside from yeah, you betcha, eat your fruits and vegetables, is examining your relationship with food and unlearning all of this sort of like toxic diet culture garbage that keeps you in fear and keeps you in anxiety about your body and about your relationship with food, which is exactly why we're doing this whole month to begin with. And all month, there's amazing episodes to help you work through this because this is not something you just like check off your to-do list tomorrow. I am 42 years old and I know all this stuff and I still have to deal with these little thoughts that bubble up in my head on a Tuesday at 3 p.m. I'd be like, oh, oh, that's interesting. No, we don't think that way anymore, but it still bubbles up. 
So I think that is a great place to close this question on what is healthy. If you were, if you were waiting for just like, you know, the one word answer, I mean, I guess the too long didn't read, didn't listen of this episode is, you know, as much as you can eat whole plant foods, try and make sure that you have a, a good balance of those foods on your plate. You want the fruits, you want the vegetables, you want the starches, you want the protein, a little bit of fat. And then remembering that it is your overall pattern of what you do day in, day out, month over month, you know, year over year that matters way more than what you put on your plate right now, which can liberate you to realize that all foods fit. Like, let's meet our nutrient needs and let's eat whatever the heck we want, whether it's a taco or an ice cream or a glass of wine, we can make all of that food fit into a healthy life. And in fact, it's not just that it fits into a healthy life. It is a healthy life. So what is healthy? It's a really simple sounding question, but obviously complex enough that I was able to talk about it for a whole episode. And the other thing, friends, is that at the end of the day, we're all just doing our best. And our best right now might be takeout. So we have more time to spend with our kids because spending time with our kids feels good and is good for us. Or it might be staying super active because we have the time available to us. Or maybe because the only way we can afford our commute is to walk or bike. And maybe right now we're relying on food banks for nourishment. Maybe it's actually spending most of our time resting because life is a lot. Because it is a lot. But if you are someone who is looking to eat more plants, then the one thing that I have to let you know is that the doors to the annual Eat More Plants Challenge actually closes on Thursday, January 6th. So if you want to join us, if you're like, okay, I'm into this, you have convinced me that whole plant foods might be a good thing, you want to click the link in the show notes right now. Doors are going to close. There's no going back. I only do this once a year. So if you haven't taken part in our annual challenge, it's probably one of the most supportive communities anywhere on the internet. The challenge is restriction and elimination free. You want a cookie? you eat a cookie. Our goal is just to add and not subtract more high fiber plant foods into our life so we can feed our microbiome and our souls at the same time. And the best part, you get like a really gorgeous PDF. You get weekly live events with me, weekly emails. And in order to make it accessible to as many folks as possible, it's 10 bucks, like just $10. So I'm really stoked to get started with you because it's one of my favorite projects of the year. And if this episode has told you anything, the way I approach truly being healthy looks a lot different than a lot of other folks running January challenges. So if you want to opt out of all that diet stuff and come get cozy in a place where you can get healthy for life, not just for the next two weeks, then come join us. Okay, friends. It is time to close this very first solo episode with a community Q&A. So the question is, I want to eat more plant foods, particularly beans, because I know they're so high in fiber and that's really important for my gut microbiome, but they make me really gassy. What do I do? Now, the beans are called magical fruits for a reason, but also, you know, this is, again, it's a really 
It's, it's, I love this question and I get this question a lot because on one hand you have people who are scared to fart. So let the like gut health dietitian lay it out for you. We all fart. We all toot. We do the toots, probably liters of gas, intestinal gas every single day. Gas is evidence that A, you are alive. Yay. B, you have a microbiome. Double yay. And C, you got to eat today, which is an absolute bloody privilege. (laughs) But your gut is also a creature of habit. If it had its druthers, you would like wake up and sleep at the same time. You would eat the same things at the same time every single day. So when you introduce a new food, particularly one that is so high in fiber and so high in fermentable carbohydrates that your gut bacteria can ferment and produce gases from, you need to use that very sort of like consistent nature of your digestive health for it, not against it. So if you're really into beans and you're like, I just, you know, like all the toots all the time and I just can't handle it. The goal is to be really consistent and very moderate in your intake. So start really low. Start with a quarter of a cup of beans and then eat those beans every single day. Like just a quarter cup. Like you can throw that on a salad, throw that in your soup. Like it's really easy to just add it to whatever you're eating at the rest of the meal. And only when you sort of like don't notice a lot of excess gas from that quarter cup of beans, do you then increase it? You're like, okay, so now I try half a cup. If your digestion is really compromised, please talk to a dietitian about this. In my practice, you know, when we work with people with like Crohn's disease, ulcerative colitis, our goal is still to get them to eat more plants. But if they haven't eaten beans in years, we might just be like at one or two tablespoons of hummus. That might be where we start and see how that flies and then assess further. But always do this with a dietitian. It's really, really important. So you need to think about training your gut for that plant life the same way you train your legs for a 10K. So go slow, go steady, be consistent. And if you have a really compromised gut, make sure you talk to a dietitian. This is something we do in the challenge. Actually, the very first week, spoiler alert, the very first week of the challenge is something we call the daily three. Maybe you've done my daily three mini challenge before where we start to consume beans every single day. And most folks, I recommend most folks start at a quarter cup and people are like, oh, that's not very much, you know, like that goal oriented mindset really wants them to go further. But I would rather you enjoy the process of eating beans and continue to do so for the rest of your life, as opposed to going all out and trying to eat a cup of beans every single day and feeling so miserable that you quit five days later. So remember, slow and steady wins the race. Okay, I'm so curious to know what you think of this. This has been a wild ride, but my very first solo episode of the season is done. Please let me know what you think and thank you for taking the time to subscribe, rate, and share this podcast because it helps us grow. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of the All Sorts Podcast, which is produced by myself and Tracy Ramsey and edited by Brian McCallman. And we live and work on the unceded and ancestral territory of the Squamish, Musqueam, Stolo, and tsleil peoples.